Hello, fellow kids, and welcome to episode 41 of Hello, Fellow Kids. We're back. Did you miss us? It's okay did, if you didn't. Did you notice? <laughs> oh, you're back. Okay. Hi, guys. Are you going to spend like two hours telling a book to me? Thanks. <laughs> ah, I forgot this was in my feed. I thought they'd stop that. Let me just... Uh... Yeah, let me just unsubscribe. Bye, Dad. Oh, <laughs> that's cold. <laughs> All right, so uh, this month we finished off the Fablehaven series. Uh, Fablehaven, book five, Keys to the Demon Prison. Is this the first series that we've actually like finished? Because I know we, yeah. we have we've written off the end of the Penderwicks because of the time skips. Yeah, um, we were just like, and they stayed this <laughs> age forever. Goodbye. Batty never turned five. <laughs> They're in suspended development, just like the Ramonas. It's fine. How many Ramonas are there? Um, I meant like the. I guess there's books. like there's like Dee Dee and Joey and. You're not as amusing as you think, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, what would the Ramonas be? It would just be the Ramones, but with like a bow on their little goofy like hairdos. Yeah, I'd be into that. Anyways, yeah, uh, book five, Fable Havens. It's it's a chonker of a book, so we are going to be approaching this a little bit differently. Um, yes, because we did. I think we did the the rough math and figured it'd probably be about a four hour recording. And we just can't do that because just, at some point I'm going to have to poop. So here we are. <laughs> what did you think? <laughs> okay, I gotta say I feel like this was the weakest in the entire series. Uh, yeah, it, I um. um it took me a while to get into it. I eventually did, but I just, he didn't hit you with the one-two punch from the beginning. I didn't feel like, hey, it's my buddies. We're with my buddies, like I usually do when the book starts. Yeah. So, and I missed that feeling. I didn't get that feeling, yay, it's my buddies, until Patton showed up again. Right. I, I like wrote in my notes, like, this is the first time I've felt an ounce of joy <laughs> while reading this book. <laughs> Um, I was thinking about it, and I feel like in the grand scheme of YA fantasy, it's fine. But as a Fablehaven, like, concluding chapter, I feel like it really missed the mark in a lot of ways for me. Okay, I'm gonna say it, and I bet you're gonna be surprised. I kinda like this character and kinda don't like this character. I kinda like the character because they're well-written, and uh, we needed somebody to take charge, and Patton's, like, 90 and dead and all that. Yeah. But um, Bracken was way too overpowered. Oh, my God. Could he Gary Stew even harder? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what it was, but as soon as he showed up, I was like, this is going to be Kendra's boyfriend. Like, <laughs> I was just like, I know it. This is this is her new boy. I know Seth's meeting him right now, and he's not all like, hmm, he's kind of uncomfortably handsome. No. But I was still just like, okay, he's going to be the boyfriend. Oh, he can do all these weird magical things that are very convenient. And yeah. I, I don't know. I just felt like it got too much. And then it got even worse. And <laughs> I'm just like, can we, can we, st can we get, take a break? Can he just have like some flaw, like, I don't know, uncontrollable flatulence? He needs something <laughs> because otherwise he's too good at everything. 
I feel like if someone had come to your D and D game with this character, you would have handed the sheet back and said, "Let's try again." It's it's way too overpowered, right? Yeah. I was sitting there thinking that. Um, okay. Before we get too far into any of that, and I know I know we we kind of have a plan. Um, I just want to do like a really really rough three sentence synopsis of the book so that we kind of have a starting point for people because we're not going to go chapter by chapter in exactly the same way. So, yeah, sorry. Or yeah. yay, if you didn't like that. <laughs> yeah, honestly, though, um, if there's anybody out there listening and they like a, a less linear approach, let us know. We haven't been told after 40 or 50 or however many like total episodes we've done if this is a good format or not. We just do it because it works. So if you like it better, let us know. Basically, our team of Fablehaven-y people are trying to collect the five artifacts uh, that will keep the demon prison sealed. And they do, and then they get lost, and the demon prison is about to be opened, so they have to basically prepare for the battle and find... They know they can't necessarily stop it, uh, but they have to find some way of dealing with it. And so there's uh, some big adventure shenanigans of uh, last-minute attempts to prevent bad things from happening or to find the tools necessary to deal with them. So it, it takes us away from Fablehaven and even, the more broadly speaking, the, um, the sanctuaries more than we've seen. Yeah, um, the set changes quite a bit. I was just like, at least Josh is probably enjoying the pictures. Literally, literally wrote, <laughs> I was very excited at how many new <laughs> illustrations I was getting. There were a few times where I knew when you were happy. I was just like, I, Josh, is, Josh is reading this bit right now, or this part is breaking Josh's heart right now. I wrote one part of Mara definitely laughing. Uh, Which one? It's like halfway through the book, um, but it's uh, it's in one of the Seth sections when he's talking to the centaurs, um, and Seth says, previous lessons, like when Patton beat up Broadhoof, <laughs> because every time you remember Patton just <laughs> punching the side of a centaur. I'm picturing like Brendan <laughs> Fraser circa 1999 just punching a horse in the side. <laughs> it's like, yes! <laughs> Uh, I was talking about Brendan Fraser at work, and I feel like they need to recruit him for, like, a multi-film contract with Marvel or something to really, like, help continue his, like, resurgence momentum. Yeah. Um, like, Actually, I, I think he should... I think Netflix needs to take this series and turn it into a limited series and have Brendan Fraser play somebody in it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I love him, but he can, he's not in... He can't play Patton anymore. But, um... Like, maybe Dale... You know, the guy who, the unsung hero of Fablehaven, who keeps that shithole running. Dude, I, when really, everybody do, else... I, lo I really appreciate Dale as, a, like, a human being. I'm like, you are doing yes. so much more than anyone else will give you credit for. Yeah, and I'm just picturing him in, like, in that um, panic room, like, hello? Is everything okay now? Just waiting to hear back uh, for everybody. Nah, you know who he could be? <laughs> Uh, I Ooh. feel like they would tweak they would tweak this for the show if they expanded Maddox's character a little bit and gave him a bit more screen time and then had him play Maddox because then he could be like he could be this kind of quirky guy that uh, ha like has all these weird creatures kind of like a kind of like a Newt Scamander but like with a personality sort of thing. Oh, I kind of wanted him to do a dual role and play 
the two bro- Dugan and uh, Maddox. Oh, yeah. That could be fun because then he – I just don't – that would be kind of action-y. And, and I know that he, like, really wrecked his back on one of the uh, Mummy movies. Oh, yeah, because he was so, doing, like, his own stunts a lot of the time and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'd be concerned for Mr. Brendan Fraser. I don't want him in any more pain than he needs to be. But I don't know. They could, they, you know what? Most of the action stuff with Dugan that we saw was, like, at Worm Roost. So I feel like most of that would be CGI anyway. So he'd probably be okay. I just have one more thing about my my Netflix series. It's stupid. You can cut this out. It's totally fine. I mostly wanted to make it because I want um, Steve Harrington, uh, Joe Keery, to play Warren. That's it. (laughs) Okay, we're we're done talking about that. You could probably cut, like, all that discussion out. But um, other thing about Book 5, the overview, I found the set of the, not the centaurs, the satyrs really annoying. I didn't find them as funny this time around. Have they always been annoying, or were they just annoying in this book? They're like one of those things, they're like the spice that you want to put just the tiniest dash of. And I think bringing them along for the adventure really kind of sours the experience, because instead of getting one or two of their like really quippy back and forths, where he can really consolidate the patter of their dialogue, it gets spread out across way more interactions. Uh, and you notice, you start to notice some of the things. I, I saw behind the curtain in his, uh, in his writing process, uh, and like his styles more in this than I've seen in others. Like, obviously, the Satyrs do this kind of back and forth, almost finishing each other's sentences, but not quite sort of a thing. But he, he does the like, I can't say the word said too many times in a row, so he just uses a thesaurus for like every different possible, like, Said, inquired, quipped, retorted, like, over the course of, like, 10 or 12 lines, and it just really bugged me, because, like, it was <laughs> I, too frequent. <laughs> I noticed that, too. I'm... Yeah, I, I noticed that. I also noticed in this one that uh, there were a few spots where, in lieu of actually describing something, he just started listing things. Okay, um, with you saying listing things... It reminded me, I kept calling us like, info dump the book. We just got info dumped so many times, where a, a bit, like, I just kind of, like, barely acknowledged what I was reading, because I was like, it'll come up later. I'm not going to know what any of this means now. It's fine. Yeah. And then like... I was totally, like, Patton's entire long message of, you need to do this, that, and the other. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll get to that more in detail later. Yeah. But it just, it was so much info dumping. And oh, what was mm, there was something else I wanted to say, but I can't remember. It's like he took our compliment of how he has people actually discuss like like we talked about how they will talk about like all of the different like possibilities for a situation. And we liked that because it, then you aren't blindsided by or like the characters aren't blindsided by something that the reader would have thought of as, like, an eventuality because they discussed those. It's like he took that and went in the extreme wrong direction with it, where he's like, what if we just say everything always? And then, yeah, it just becomes it just becomes constant info dump of so many new concepts and characters that are introduced. And, like, there's just, there's way too much in here. I hate to say it, but it's kind of like that book about the house with the clock or whatever. I completely forget what it was called. The house with the clock in its walls? Mm, No, I think that might actually be good. 
No, that that book we the read. The one we that, read? Yeah. Oh, the, wait, the Labyrinth new, one? Yes, the Labyrinth one, where a new thing was introduced every chapter, and I was like, okay, we should be winding down. Why are we still meeting new characters? This is a bit much. Yeah. Like when the Astrids show up, and then they all have names. I'm like, I... You know what? Yeah, at they that sh- point, they I was should like, have names. That's do not fine. do that to me. I'm not remembering these names. <laughs> you can't make me. I have 60 pages left. I am not going to remember these names. <laughs> and I refuse. <laughs> um, I got to see Bubda for a little bit. I was happy to see him. I love that he didn't want to leave. They're like, you're probably going to starve. He's like, rather starve than be around people. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, I don't know. I don't think I relate that much, Bubda. I really like food. <laughs> uh, the first handful of chapters here are like, like Act One of, okay, it, it, yeah. which is almost, it's almost like its own, like totally well, separate I, thing. Yeah, I had something I wanted to say about that. Um, I was just like, oh wow, the first chapter is like three pages, and then I'm like, why didn't he just, you know, these are kind of some of these are monster chapters. Why didn't he just make this part of? The thing, and I think that's why I started this in a bad mood, because it begins with Seth going to see, you call him Granola, right? Yeah. He's seeing Granola, and Granola's like, okay, buddy, I'm really going to die now. And he's like, you've, you've been, been dying. dying for three books. You've been dying for <laughs> three books. Like, now you're speeding it up? And he's just like, I'm in a lot of pain. So if you can get me the Sands of Sanctity, you'd be doing me a solid. It wouldn't cure me of old age, but, you know, like, some of my pain would go. And Seth's like, I promise and i'm like like i already knew it was a dumb move and i'm like okay brandon put this at the beginning of the book he separated it from everything so you would remember this this is this this is the part where he screws everybody isn't it and then i just started it with a bad mood just i'm like i know it's gonna go bad i know this is gonna go i know exactly what's gonna happen and and like you said like we're so familiar with his writing i knew that's why he did that yeah He's, he, I, I could just hear him going, put a pin in it, you know? Uh, so that's why it was like this whole separate thing on its own. And then then basically the story starts uh, uh, where the last book left off. And, oh, now I remember what it was called. This book is like Fetch It Quest. Like, yeah. it's just a series of Fetch It Quests. And I think you said that you dislike those the most of like any sci- uh, like fantasy trope. Did you tell me that? I feel like you did. Uh, I don't remember saying it, but it sounds like something I would say. Yeah, I just I can just, I was just picturing you with your head in your hands, like if you introduce one more effing MacGuffin, I will MacGuffin kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot handle this. <laughs> it really it was- is though, because it's not um what is cool about these big long uh series and the and you know, big world building books is that everything kind of stacks on top of each other and you you're 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 constructing something as you go along. So when you then switch it up to these like go here do the thing complete that and now that's kind of checked off and doesn't really add too much to what you already had because it's like a whole new thing. It just doesn't feel as rewarding and um we got a lot of this. Uh and it's something that I called out with when I was reading the second of Rick Riordan's uh, like Percy Jackson arcs is that uh, I felt like the first, the main five Percy Jackson books 
they still have a bit of that, but the, it, it's a lot more of, like, it, it really feels more like it's telling its own story, like, all the way through, whereas all of the subsequent books are just, like, these little mini arcs, four chapters of, like, go here, encounter this god, do a thing with the god, leave, and you just repeat that until you've read 500 pages, and that that's called a book. And that's more what this felt like than any of the other ones that really felt like they were building on the characters and this kind of singular thread. Uh, it was just more, go here, do the thing, cool, we've padded it out. Yeah, um, and I couldn't, I was trying to keep track of like all these different objects. Like I even sat there for a bit like, oh, you can't even remember what the fifth freaking key is. And I said right? to sit there for a long time. I go, oh, the stupid unicorn horn that you drink from and you're young forever. Yay, you like that's that's what it is. OK, because <laughs> I was like, OK, so the one that's like the most useful that people actually can use is the translocator. That's that's the major one I always remembered. And then I'd be sitting there like, well, is the chronometer one of them? I can't remember if it is or if it's just its own thing. Right. Um, oh, it, I would okay, always forget so, about the sands. Well, the sands will heal you, so I remembered that, because that's another practical application. Yeah, no, it's useful. I just didn't remember yeah. it. <laughs> well, okay, but it's the chronometer. Okay, so we got... What are these friggin' MacGuffins? Okay, we got the stupid sands. Wait, crap, what's the other one? What other one? We got the translocator, the sands... The um the horn of plenty, no. <laughs> yes, and the chronometer, that's four. Is the chronometer one of them? Yes. Okay. And, uh oh, the oculus. Uh, yeah. No one can really use. It's basically useless. You have to be like a demon to use it or whatever. Yeah. Which is such a dumb invent. You know what we should make? be the key to this thing a thing only a friggin demon can use comfortably there we go that's a good plan actually i thought all of this plan for okay so the way this demon prison works the way all these idiots are fighting for these stupid things in addition to getting all the stupid things they then have to kill five eternal people why why is that a thing and why did we not talk about it until like the last 150 book. pages into the last book yeah he's like oh and the eternals oh what <laughs> Uh, okay. Anyway, how do we even? So the beginning of the book. <laughs> We're a half hour in. Like, how do we even start this? So, like we said, the story begins like after uh, Seth makes his dumb promise, and they're hunting down their MacGuffins. And of course, as soon as they show up to the new place, we meet new people, and they're immediately betrayed by the new people. And I was like, no, again, why? <laughs> And then they're in mortal danger while they get their MacGuffin. And the only person who dies is the person we met on the plane. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. Why did they? Why? <laughs> why did we? Why did we introduce that character to then kill them off right away? I was like, I, I think I even wrote after he died. I was like, I wrote something along the lines of they better bring him back or that sure was unnecessary. Well, it was all just this B team of people I didn't care about. So, I mean, Seth pissed me off with his promise. And then we go to this place and it's all people I don't know or care about. The only person we really, I think we spent the most time with who actually, you know, was Trask maybe in the yeah. last book. I mean, Mara's been around for a while, but not really because can you really tell me anything about her? No, me neither. So <laughs> it's just then we're introduced to those twins and I found them really annoying. And then when it turned out they betrayed everybody, I'm like, good, you're annoying. 
I want you to go away. Yeah, and then they're be they're being attacked by like Tarina and the new the the gray assassin or whatever. He, that's like a he new doesn't guy. do anything for like several attacks. He just walks. He walks. He, if you look at the illustration, he's just weirdly long arms. He's just like wiggling them with his swords. He's just walking along. He just strolls onto the scene. Like the one who's doing any of the heavy lifting is Tarina. Yeah. And she's really good with the with the and uh, then we start to care because Seth's hit. And it's a really bad hit. And luckily he had like that gas potion that turns him into all smoky and stuff. So that kind of stopped him from bleeding out. Yeah, if you were to if you were to make a list of like characters introduced in each book, you would see like probably still the most characters introduced in book one. And then two and three really don't introduce too many new characters. It's really just digging deeper on who we already have established. And then four, because they go to the dragon sanctuary and stuff introduces a bit more. And then five has the longest list since book one. And you shouldn't yeah. do that because you know that there's only a few hundred pages in which they can matter. So you either don't get attached to them or in the case of this in particular, I felt like it was taking away from the opportunity to see these characters that we've known and loved uh, to see them actually have like their own, like final, you know, final stand, final experience with all of this. Um, was, was Tanu even there? It's no one we care about. I was yeah. so, I was so not engaged with it. it I was, was just like, I don't care. Mara and Vincent, like, who cares? All he says is, oh, I'm afraid of drowning. And then he freezes in the water. Yeah. And I'm like, that was horrible. Yeah. I hate so this. Trask, who we kind of know, know. Okay. Uh, Mara. Elise, who is like Barely Mara, but I know even yeah. less about her. And Warren can't oh, wait, be. Wait, no, no, no. Tanu is there. I'm sorry. Tanu is there. Tanu, Seth, Kendra, but yeah, Warren's not there. Coulter's That's right. Tanu is there because Tanu uses the uh, embiggening potion, and, but but new to bring like a big sheet to wrap around himself. Because I was like, oh, we don't need to see your big old dong hanging out. But he like covered had that covered up when he embiggened himself to like fight the animals. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, we've got, I, I care about Tanu and the kids and a little bit about Trask, but the other half of the people there, uh, I really don't care about that much. Um, no, and, and like, Mara kept agreeing to shit, and she wouldn't just say, oh yeah, me too, she'd say, as do I. Who fucking says that? So I was like, shut up, me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear that, as yeah. do I. I was like, if she says that one more time. <laughs> yeah, so then we have another one of the, like, the deadly dangerous trials to get the key, uh, which they'd been carrying around the whole time, it turns out. The yeah, key was, like, egg. locked inside the giant egg that they had gotten from the last book, uh, and as they go through, they unlock, it's like a, a, like a stacking doll, and yeah, the yeah. thing they need is inside, they just can't open it unless they go through the entirety of the thing. I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying to gauge how I feel about like this series of trials versus the other ones because like it sure is convenient that the same group of people is able to conquer like three of these places in the span of a year. And obviously, part of that is just like that's how YA fantasy works. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm willing to forgive that for the most part, but I am trying to gauge like, do I feel like this was the same level of like actual tension? as the others, and I feel like if it were the characters I cared about, maybe. Yeah. But because half the time the people that were in danger are people I just met, I was like, eh, okay. 
Yeah, right. and then that's, this, that's why I told you I was having such a hard time starting this book, because I was just like, I hate everything that's happening right now. Yeah, Vincent dies, and you meet Vincent in Chapter 2, and he's dead in Chapter 5, and then that's the last we ever hear of him. We don't hear of him before that or after that. I know, is, Trask was like, this is the only man I trust my life with. I'm like, okay, is he wearing a red shirt? Like, <laughs> I was like, were, were we introduced to these people so that they could be the fodder? So we can say, like, oh, they got through it and it was dangerous, people died, but no one we cared about. But at least it's for, like, what I think is the most useful MacGuffin. Uh, yes. So th th they did all this to get the translocator, which I was just like, why would you mess with any of the rest of the crap? Like, I I want that. <laughs> right. Because of all the traveling they have to do, yeah. that's all these people ever do. It's like traveling the series. Like, that. <laughs> Is that an info dumps? I was writing BAMF in my notes. I'm like, they BAMF this <laughs> yeah. place. They BAMF. Did you do that too? Uh, no, but I do know what you're talking about. I understood that awesome. reference. <laughs> okay. Great, Steve. I'm happy for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway. So uh, Seth Seth gets shot. He takes like the gas potion. And uh, he gets captured by a wizard inside of a bottle. <laughs> yeah, he becomes a genie. <laughs> yeah. Well, everyone else bamps out. Uh, not everyone. The people we don't care about are captured, and we're just like, eh, okay. They say, like, we have to save them, our friends. Yay. But mostly you care that Seth's captured. Yeah. And then this is where the story splits, because we find out what happens to Seth in captivity, and then hit ha inevitably how he gets loose, and then Kendra has a different trajectory of where she goes. Who do we want to discuss first? Uh, I think we should go with Seth first, actually, because stuff happens that links in with Kendra's crap. Yeah, Seth's captured in the bottle. He gets uncorked <laughs> in um, the Sphinx's office, and the arrow's magicked away, and then um, the Sphinx uses the san Sands of Sanctity to cure him. And then he's like, okay, you're feeling all better. How you doing, buddy? God, you've gotten so big. Well, the other, you know, Seth's like, could you not do this? You're the villain. I don't. I don't like what's happening right now. Did you feel creeped out by that too? The uh, way that like the Sphinx is just like, hey, I've been actively trying to murder your entire family for several books, but you got me so big, champ. I'm kind of. I'm kind of used to it. Uh, I was. I was more focused on the fact that like I. So we've been griping a, a lot uh, so far. Um, <laughs> it'll. It'll pick up. I swear, you guys. Yeah. Again. Again. I don't think that it's an awful book. I just think no. that it's not a particularly good ending to this series, but there are some things that pay off. Like, Seth is not a perfect person, but he sure has grown enough to where he is, he's kind of thinking at what Kendra's thinking level would have been a couple books earlier of, like, everything that I say and also don't say might give him information. So he literally just says, uh, I don't know what information is crucial to the outcome of all this, so I'm keeping my mouth shut. And I was like, thank you, Seth. Like, awesome. Um, You're learning tact. I appreciate it. Yeah. So um, you do see these moments of him being like, I better stop and think for at least a second. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he he bites his tongue a whole lot more. He's like, like, I could say something sassy right now, but I probably shouldn't. And yeah. sometimes he will go ahead and say the sassy thing, but it's definitely a watered-down version of whatever he would have said book one. Yeah. So he definitely has grown, and I was liking his story arc the best i was just like okay i'm i'm having fun with i'm not used to this so it's kind of 
edging Kendra out from like my favorite protagonist in this series. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Good job, Seth. I didn't know this was possible. <laughs> if you told me in book one that by book five, I'd be all like, no, he's solid. I like him. I'd call you a liar. <laughs> but he and they have this conversation about why on earth the Sphinx would want to open the demon prison, which I was wondering myself. I'm like, none of that makes sense. He's only wants it open so he can be in charge of it. I'm like, why just take the keys and go, I'm in charge now. La la la. And don't open it. Like <laughs> there you're in charge. Like, I could, if I wanted to, but he, and then he presents it in this very, Republican way of thinking of like it's just a, it's like it's just a political opinion. It's just a political opinion. You're like, no, you're affecting people's lives, dude. It's not a political opinion if you're gonna get people killed. If your dumb beliefs are gonna hurt people, so then that was pissing me off. So I was just having a bad time of it through like probably the first third of this book. Yeah, and it was all the more upsetting to hear that kind of really Republican talking point. The really far right talking point coming from a black man. So I was like, especially like, I don't like anything happening right now. This is just, it was just full cringe. Like I was having a hard time. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become Republican. I think that's pretty true. (laughs) We lost all our Republican listeners. (laughs) All none of them? (laughs) That's super true. This is about books. No way. Bye. So then Seth is, um, after, you know, then he's put down in his cell and he's there for a few chapters, I think, of like Kendra's story or maybe just one. And then we're back to him because we, I think we bounce back and forth between them. It's but close I kinda, to every other chapter, but it's not quite. Yeah. I kind of wanted to approach it more in like the two towers way that the book did where it's like, okay, we're going to just do this whole, instead of back and forth between two people, we're going to tell the different chunks so right. i guess i guess this is the mary and pippin section oh it's to- i mean we have the setters it's totally mary it's totally mary and pippin completely but uh anyway so Seth's in his cell and he's eating barely edible food it's really terrible and uh then the walls randomly open and then like this like teenage boy comes walking in he's just like i'm bracken i have magical light that i do and I have coins we can communicate with. I'm magical. And says so like, you just came through the wall. So <laughs> then they have yeah. to explain that these guys like randomly tunnel around just to fill the time to have something to do. And that the higher ups know about it, but it keeps these idiots occupied. So have at it. There's even like a pinball room and Seth recognizes the foosball table. He and uh, Kendra played with and like, geez, was it book one? No, it was book two. It was book two, yeah. It was book two because Kendra had become very kind. Yeah, they each play against the Sphinx. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm just like, I was already going like, this guy's got a whole lot of powers. And also he can like hold your hands and like know your thoughts and like your intentions and stuff. He's like this human, not human, but like he could, he's like this like lie detector. But I like the part he's like, hand me your hands. Give me your hands. And stuff basically no homos him. And that just kind of keeps happening throughout the book when he's, like, trying to grab somebody's hands. And they're all like, why are you doing this? <laughs> I like the part where Seth first meets Bracken. Seth is like, so when are you going to start investigating my secrets? And Bracken's like, still don't trust me? Well, at least you're not stupid. And Seth goes, don't give me too much credit. <laughs> I like that line. That was a good line. I'm like, I won't. 
you promised Growlithe something that you shouldn't have. You're stupid. I'm better, but I'm still not great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so then we're introduced to Bracken, who becomes very, very important. Almost too important, important. one would say. (sighs) He kind of ends up sort of being the star of the whole book, but, you know, whatever. Um, uh, And Bracken takes him over to see um Maddox. Maddox has been here the whole time. I was for sure he was dead, but he's been in this dungeon. Oh, did we even explain where here is? We're at the fi- the fifth secret preserve that in, no like, one knew Turkey? About. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, the sp- the Sphinx is in addition to running both of the two main factions, he is also the head of the fifth secret sanctuary. It's called Living Mirage. Yeah. And um, they're all in a they're all in a ziggurat. Anyway, so they have this whole, they decide they're going to stage a prison break. Seth kind of pushes the other two and just like, we have to do something. We can't just sit around here. We've got to try and get everybody out. And then the other two kind of reluctantly agree. It's like, okay, we'll do prison break. (laughs) I just realized that um, this still technically is the beginning because meanwhile, back at the back at the ranch kendra and the others are like what's our next move we don't know where anybody is so they use the oh they there's the doomsday what was it the doomsday vessel doomsday device it's not a doomsday device capsule doomsday capsule that uh is written in the fairy language that only kendra can read so they have her translate it and uh they pull her away from talking to uh hugo and hugo's like Smith, Seth, and I was picturing you. Yeah. I was picturing you so devastated, like no, someone give Hugo a hug. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Kendra reads it, and they're able to like meet the requirements to open the stupid thing, and they find instructions for how to use the chronometer, and you can only use it as far back in time as the oldest person in your group. So it's it's set to uh, December something 1940. So they all go back and um, okay, this was dumb. This made me angry. Why did their clothes come off? Okay, so I wanted. Well, I didn't really <laughs> want to address this. <laughs> okay. I think I think in almost every one of these books, people get naked because of magic. Usually, Kendra. And I don't want to, like, I don't want to read into that, but, like, when they went small, they got naked. Uh, when this happens, okay, there's the at least small one other situation. makes sense, though. The yeah. small made sense. I didn't think this. I figured if you're writing a magical universe where you could write anything happening, you could keep their clothes on. Yeah. And Patton has used this. He showed up in their time. Why didn't his clothes come off? He was wearing, like, his, his clothes from his time period. Yeah. He wasn't wearing, like a Dodgers jersey with pants that don't fit and barefoot. It's, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you it's probably some shirt. sort of thing. Like you, you wouldn't be able to bring back anything that didn't exist during that timeline. But then, but then that's why th- I thought that the rule for who could go back in time was broken because it should be, you can only go as far back as the youngest person, because then that would line up with the idea of you can't have something exist earlier in the timeline than it existed. So then that would kind of make the clothes thing make sense, and it would it would really limit who could go back in time. Unfortunately, the kids wouldn't be able to go if that's what the rule was, and I'm sure the rule has changed so that Kendra could observe what was going on here. But that's the only way it would make sense to me. 
as it stands, it's... None of it made sense. As it stands, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm sorry, Brandon Mole. Don't write anything more about, like, time travel, because it, was, it wasn't good. Except seeing Patton again was great, even though he was, like, decrepit, and then he's like, oh, okay, well, now I know when I'm dying, because I update that date every year. Yes. <laughs> now I know. And then I thought of that meme, guess I'll die, and the old man <laughs> And then he's, like, talking to all of them. He's like, okay, do you know this yet? Do you know that yet? Do you have this? And they're all like, no, no. And he's so nice. He doesn't say, what is this, effing amateur hour? Like, I probably would have. <laughs> like, and, and then, like, Warren just has this look on his face, just like, how do any of these things exist? <laughs> like, he'd never heard of the Singing Sisters or the Totem Wall or that stuff. Um, the grandparents had heard of the Singing Sisters. And then Patton, this is where Patton drops the bomb of like, okay, so like, are all the Eternals still alive? And they're like, all the what now? And then they find out about the five people that need to be taken out before Zizix. That's such a dumb name. I'm sorry. Zizix can be open. It's a real name. It's from something. Because there's a, there's okay. a Zizix road in like Arizona or something like that. So it existed before Brandon Mull. Okay. That doesn't it's, necessarily make it less stupid, but it's not his fault it that just the word felt, exists. <laughs> it just felt like an L. Frank Baum invention. If you've read any of the uh, the Oz the books, Oz books. He, he does that a lot with like, let's just throw a whole bunch of consonants together and put a vowel in the middle. And there we go. That's what this country is going to be called. And you're like, sir, no. I mean, they can't all be J.R.R. Tolkien with like, okay, this is what these names are going to mean. And they all have follow these conventions because not everyone's a linguist. So, okay, I'll I'll give Brandon Moll a pass. <laughs> a you're not J.R.R. Tolkien pass. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, I did get a kick out of, I don't know if I've ever read his biography in the back of the book before. Mm -hmm. um, but it says, Brandon Mull is the author, blah, blah, blah. He resides in Utah with his uh, wife and four children. Brandon's greatest regret is that he has but one life to give for Gondor. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're such a dork. <laughs> I did a little bit of reading on Brandon Mull and stuff. From all accounts, apparently, like, he is, like, one of the nicest authors that, like, anybody has ever met. If you go to, like, Aww. signings and stuff, he's, like, he's just a super down-to-earth, super chill guy. Well, like, now I'm like... feeling bad at how much we're pooping on this book. Well, no, it's okay, because he, he gave us, like, three and a half really solid ones. That's true. I love that the previous book is a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we like you, Brandon Moe. We just feel like you uh, dropped the ball on this. But also, I don't know how, like, I, I wonder how... I wonder what this book would have been like if he hadn't had to stick to, presumably had to stick to, um, a book a year contract for it. Mm. I'm curious if he'd had another year to develop this, if things would have turned out differently. But yeah, so Patton's asking them, like, are all of these things and telling about the Eternals and the stuff, and I'm just like, oh no, you're introducing new things. It's too late to do that. Maybe one or two. Not all of them. <laughs> And he's like, the least you can do is at least is get Vanessa's secret. You don't have that yet. And they're like, no, <laughs> just very. He wasn't chastising them at all, but they all kind of it still kind of had that feeling of everybody just kind of standing there, just kind of like drooping more and more of like, I feel dumb. It's like, well, that's <laughs> that's why we went to Patton, because we're too in this and he's removed from it and he can actually like think this stuff out. So, um, 
Yeah, then they go back forward and then go back forward. Yeah, that's smart. Don't they just return and it's like we should talk to Kendra or Vanessa? Yeah, and Vanessa's Vanessa's still like, no, no. The most she'll give is that her secret is bigger than a bread box and it's a person. That was funny. That was kind of funny. (laughs) And I was just like, you bitch. (laughs) You're having too much fun with this. Okay, should we maybe, should we continue with Kendra instead of trying to loop back over to Seth? Yeah. Uh, well, the thing Ken- is, Kendra, okay, okay sure. Vanessa's yeah. secret reveals the reasoning for them being able to go into the living yeah. garage. I was, yeah, I was trying to remember. So, um, I guess we don't need to do this linearly, but um, yeah, this, the secret ter- shows up at the house one night. And it turns out it's uh they have to go back in time to meet because um the, the Oculus the Oculus yeah they need to keep everything under wraps as much as they can so they go back in time with this mis- mystery guest and it's Grandma Larson the Larson grandparents who asphyxiated prior to the events of Book One are alive uh they faked their deaths and um the grandpa is the assistant caretaker over at Living Mirage. And I don't know, what was the grandma doing? Just hanging out? I don't know. But they She was an in- international spy. I don't know. They all seem pretty bad at it. <laughs> I'm sorry. And she shows up with like a dwarf. And yeah. um, I-, I was just like, is he gonna, is he gonna screw everyone over? Cause we don't know him. And, and then they all make the plans to go rescue Seth. And then they're, I didn't even pay attention to like, okay, first, because they, we spent paragraphs going through the logistics of who's going to pop in where and who's, you know, who's going to be holding the translocator. We're going to do this, that, and the other. They decide to bring Kendra along for fairy reasons, I think. So they bring Kendra along to do because that. Because fairies. Because fairies. And I think the important thing we need to know about this time we spent doing this is that uh, Warren was dropped off first to like kind of run off and he's kind of like their fail safe. Like if anything happens to everybody else, he's loose, which is good that that happened <laughs> because yeah. would you figure they show up and they're screwed over by the dwarf and everyone's captured. La la la. But while all of this is going on, somebody takes advantage of the moment to take, was it the it was the sands and the translocator and they drop it off in in Seth's cell so then he yes. bamps out so by the time Kendra's captured and everybody's captured Seth's gone yeah so it's it's like a it's like a big magical version of that like uh, like I love Lucy episode or whatever where they're like running back and forth <laughs> through the hallways is that I love Lucy or it's, is that it's one of it's Scooby Doo, where they run from like it's, door it's to door. It's been done in like a dozen shows, but yeah, it's that classic. Like the camera is just looking down the hallway, and everybody keeps running in and out of doors and missing each other. Yes, um, yes, yeah. It's it's that, but on like a on like an intercontinental level. Totally, and I love that when Seth bamps out, he just panicked and found a destination, and he's on the roof of his old elementary school. Yeah, and I was like, that's the most relatable, believable thing that's happened in this book so far. <laughs> Is right, you panic like, and you end up, oh, okay, the last place I felt safe. <laughs> when Vanessa's secret is revealed and uh, Kendra's talking to her uh, not-dead grandma, she's like, what about Uncle Tuck and Aunt Kim? Oh, no, they are actually dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're well, dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. They, yeah, 
It actually inspired us to kill ourselves. <laughs> is basically what she says. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was like it was a it was a perfect opportunity to be honest. <laughs> They're like, uh, weren't those your children? Shouldn't you be more cut up about it? <laughs> okay, so when they're planning to go is when we get to see Hugo, and oh my god, this might be my favorite part of the book. There's a specific paragraph that I love the most, but so <laughs> Kendra goes outside. She goes and she talks to Dale, who again is the unsung hero of Fablehaven. Yep. And uh, Hugo is there, and uh, says, Hugo rose to his feet, mouth bent in a frown. He looked down at Dale, and Dale said, let's go take a look at the stables. And that says, powerful arms at his sides. Hugo bent at the waist and then toppled forward. His head hit the ground hard, digging a short furrow in the lawn. Propped up by his head and feet, he rigidly held his position, arms at his side, rear end pointing skyward. <laughs> yeah. They're like, what's wrong? He's just like, Seth, gone. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I've been there. <laughs> and uh, Dale's like, is that what's wrong? You miss your buddy? And Hugo pats his chest and goes, miss buddy. Miss buddy. Kendra's, Kendra's like, it's okay. Do you want to play catch? Do you want to hit a baseball? You can throw me in the pool. <laughs> And he goes, not feel right, maybe later. Oh. Hugo, Hugo's such a sweetheart. Yes, he's so cute. (laughs) Okay, so Kendra is, uh, I wasn't going to really discuss Kendra talking to the, to the Um, Sphinx, but she does talk to him. She, she's, like, everybody's captured, and then she's put in that same office that Seth got to hang out in. Yeah. And uh, what, do you, what do you have for him talking she's to just, her? She's basically just like, don't do this. You can change your mind. And he's like, my mind will not be changed. And Kendra just, uh, as she's heading out, she goes, I hope somebody stops you. And then the Sphinx poured himself some pear juice. He took a sip, swallowed, then spoke gently but firmly. Hope for something else. I liked that. That was like one of the most villainy things that he's actually said. Yeah. Oh, I know. I was just like, oh. That is cold. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you bitch. (laughs) And I meant it. (laughs) Yeah, so after being frozen by that, uh, she ends up in a cell and Bracken comes through and is all like, hey, uh, you're not Seth. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, well noted. You're the other one. And and she's just all like, oh, great. Here's another guy that I'm kind of attracted to, but he... Are you I also got... a dragon? Are you also a dragon? He's like, no, opposite. <laughs> and they're trying to, like, fig- you know, they're like, she's figuring out if she should trust him, and he's just like, why is everybody afraid of holding hands? And <laughs> Bracken's like, hold up. Someone just broke into my cell. And she's like, broke into your cell? How do you even know that? He's just like, I have magical wards set up because I am magical. So they go back to the cell and when you know it, it's Warren and he says the Sphinx put him up to coming in and getting them because it turns out the Sphinx has been manipulated all along by a demon named Nagi Luna. That's what we're going to go with. But uh, Nagi Luna is a demon who's been imprisoned in this place forever and helped the Sphinx because the, the Sphinx has lived there like his whole life. He came there as a slave and um, Nagi Luna kind of helped him kind of rise in the ranks, you know, until he's where he's at today. And um, the part where he was sitting with Seth and talking about like 
his his bond with Nagi Luna. And Zeph's like, yeah, okay, whose idea was this to open the prison, yours or hers? And he's like, it was mine, but really both of ours. And you're like, no, sweetheart. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. So when, <laughs> so they introduce her, this another demon. So, yeah. like, in order of, like, our, we've got... We've got the Sphinx, who's working for Nagi Luna, who's working to let loose Gorgrog the Demon King. And I'm just like, this is, like, it's becoming like a bureaucracy of villainy. Like, I have to go up through so many <laughs> levels. I could, I didn't even care about her enough to think of a fake name. Yeah, no. I give fake names to all the demons. It's my thing. Nagi Luna, more like Soggy Noodle. Let's move on. <laughs> So, yeah, when that happened, I was like, no, don't introduce another, a new villain at the end game. 11th hour, yeah. Yeah. So he realizes, like, oh, I was being manipulated all along, while all the good guys are like, yeah, dummy. So, um, you know, he's now kind of working again. He, he's a double agent now, the, the Sphinx. So he's got Warren to go down there and get Bracken and Kendra and get them out, and they need to go to the fairy shrine, which is covered in a dome, because they didn't want the fairy queen sticking her nose into, you know, my bad guy business that I have going on over here. And that's why Bracken's there, because that when that dome was put, he, was, he went to go investigate it, and then he got captured by the Sphinx and thrown into the cells, and Bob's your uncle. So they go there. There's this whole stupid section about fruit that I'm just skipping. And they uh, get to the shrine and talk to the fairy queen. And she says, like, okay, I'm going to forgive the Astrids. If we remember them, there's the horrible nightmare owls with people faces. But we're going to forgive them. And I'm going to give you the power to re-empower them when they show up. And she's like, great, where are they? And everyone's like, uh. So that, that was really helpful. <laughs> for it, it becomes more helpful later. But, like, for most of the book, she's, like, still looking for the asteroids. And everyone's like, I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. And then um, our buddy, I didn't like him in the previous book, but I liked him a lot in this book. Raxtus yeah. shows up, and he's there right out of there. And yeah. their mission for the rest of this book or for the you know for this section of the book is to go save all the Eternals, which they fail at. I I started finding the Kendra chapters a complete bummer because I'm like, okay, this isn't gonna work gonna out. They're gonna go somewhere and they're gonna fail and someone's gonna die and then they just go to another one and watch them die. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Before we get too far into that, can I make a couple comments before we get into the like Eternals arc? Absolutely, go for it. I don't dislike the idea of the Sphinx becoming, like, an, a hesitant ally. I didn't quite buy it happening off screen and then somebody being like, oh yeah, we're working with him now. And they're just like, well, okay. It did feel a little unearned, but I also, there's so much going on here. Like, I yeah. wouldn't necessarily have wanted a scene for it, but I did, I, I was just kind of like, okay, guess that's this chapter's twist. I feel like what sold it, though, was uh, Seth. When Seth gets loose and he has the translocator, uh, oh shit, we haven't covered that yet. I, oh wait, I did cover that, that he got loose because someone sent him the yes. translocator and the note said, just leave right now. But he was all like, Bracken, how fast can you get up here? And Bracken's like, like 10 minutes. You should probably just bamf out now. And he hadn't, and you can only lo translocate yourself to places you've been before. So you picture it in your mind and boom, you're there. Yeah. But so he hadn't been to Bracken's cell before, but he had been to Maddox's. So he, bumped out to Maddox's, he wasn't there, so he couldn't save his buddy, which is too bad, because Maddox might have talked him out of 
what came next. And um, and then he got the idea to be like, oh, why don't I just go up to the office again, snag those artifacts, so then well, I'll have more than one of them, you know, get them from him. So he ends up bamfing into the office, and then the Sphinx is walking in, already looking pissed off, and then sees Seth and and like loses his cool and was like, what are you doing? Stop! So and and then he remember like Seth even said like that was weird because he never loses it like he always has a very even keel so things are out of his hands so yeah. that's why he's all out of sorts so that's that helps sell it later when it's all like oh yeah would you know it the demon was screwing him over the whole time so now he's on our side sort of yeah so that that's what helped sell it but otherwise yeah a lot happened off page there yeah. that we were taking for granted I feel like. This book might have been a little bit easier to write, if if nothing else, if there wasn't the limitation of every chapter having to take place from either Seth or Kendra's point of view. Because it, it works the vast majority of the time across the whole series. But with just spreading things out so much in this one, you do have to, there are things that just kind of have to happen off screen because one of those two kids yeah. is not in the room. Right, so there's and it casts like the size. yeah. There's, like, having to think of a convoluted way for Kendra to be able to go back in time and see Patton. Things like that, that, like, he'd already committed to, like, these are this is how the perspective of the books are. I can't change that at this point. So, unfortunately, I some of this is just going to have to be kind of weird. Well, it um, feels like he completely retconned the time travel rules. How was Patton able to go into the future? Because aren't you all... Can, Okay, how does the time travel work? Like, if you can only go back as far as you're alive, how far forward can you go? That's and how why is Patton able to do that? Yeah. No, that's and why I'm saying that the rules the rules that he established don't make sense. Not no, they uh, don't. time travel rules almost never make sense. But <laughs> there, th- th- this one is even less like uh, like I can I can sometimes just be like eh, you know, you know, wibbly wobbly timey wimey, but I can't do that with this because it's so no. obviously like real weird um well that and we're like oh no there's rules see these rules they're rules and we're like you can keep saying they're rules trying to sound all official but none of it makes sense still yeah you know it's the like acting like it's totally reasonable even though you're just like time out no it's not yeah why are they naked i don't know just <laughs> just it made me mad okay <laughs> The other thing is, so they go and they, they do the fruit thing, which I agree, we don't need to talk about. They do encounter a, like, more classic Sphinx, and I was having a lot of fun with that. Oh, I, because... I wrote lowercase s Sphinx. Yeah, <laughs> I just because, so that. they go and the Sphinx makes them answer three riddles, but they are, they're classic Sphinx riddles. And so, the first, uh, consider two sisters, the first is born of the second, the second is born of the first. And then Bracken is like, oh, day and night. And the Sphinx goes, I surround the world, yet I dwell within a thimble. I am outside of... And then Bracken's like, space! And then the Sphinx goes, in the morning I walk on four. And Kendra just goes, stages of, stages of a man's life! life. <laughs> and it just That's says, the one I knew. <laughs> it just says, the Sphinx was fuming. And then Warren just says, knock, knock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Like, yeah. Oh, that was good. I needed that. Yeah, that was pretty great. I'm sorry. I was moving us along too f- No, that's why we have two people talking. It's fine. I, I, I'm not sorry. Okay, so then Should they're we- like, yeah, you have to go You have to go rescue the Eternals and BT-dubs. Two of them are dead already. So already. Good luck. Yeah. 
So the first one is like in Fjord Bjerkender. <laughs> he lives in a castle and hunts all the time. And it's this secluded place. They show up. The place is a shit show. He's already dead. Um, there's like a dead tiger. And they're like, oh, holy hell. But then like it moves and it's like alive. It's like, hey, I was faking dead. And <laughs> he was the guardian. And it's like, good job, dude. Um, the guardian for the eternal, uh, it didn't, didn't work out. And since this guy was like this warlord hunter type dude, they like stock up on like armor and weaponry and they find, I thought this would, this might come back later, but they find that guy cowering in there and the tiger, the tiger's name's Nico. I should just use his name. And Nico's like, you're a coward and you're banned from here and get out loser. And the guy goes running off and I'm like, I don't, I think that's a bad idea. I think you should kill him. Like, don't, don't you want to not have people around who are going to make, might betray you or something? Because mm-hmm. they've already proven to be cowardly. I don't know, but I feel like he might pop up in the, in the okay. next uh, series. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that point real quick. Sure. So there is a sequel series to this called Dragon Watch and it's five books. The fifth one I think comes out at the end of this year. They weren't even published until like seven years after the Fablehaven series finished. And when it, in his acknowledgments at the end of this, he says that he has absolutely no plans at that point upon finishing book five to write a sequel, which means we have to work off the assumption that all of the loose threads that he left were just going to stay loose. Oh, and that really bugs me because there wow. are quite a few that I'm like, there are why? Why would you do that? <sighs> yeah. Now now that you... I didn't know that, and now I'm angry. <laughs> I Tyra Banks a few times. <laughs> we were rooting for you. You were so good at plotting and tying up loose ends, and it's just like you went, eh, whatever, on this last book. <sighs> okay, I'm just going to move on, because I hate the eternal storyline. I just want to finish it. It's so... It's so... Like, it's I hate it. Constant bummers. It is. I was just like, oh god, it's a it's a Kendra's chapter. Why am I looking forward to Seth so much? But um, okay. So they go. They failed that. So that's like okay. Um, they have Nico, and he knows where the other two are, and he's like, oh, they're over in America. So Raxus has to carry their asses all the way to Mer- America from Fjord Fergendigberg. I'm not even <laughs> not even gonna bother. I don't care. <laughs> That's how much this doesn't matter. And then they uh, end up in California uh, and they meet Mark, who's the worst character in this whole series. I hate him. He's literally suicidal. Um, Sucks. (laughs) Which makes it sound like I'm saying, like, if you're suicidal, I hate you. No, 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 no. That's not that was not the transition I was trying to make. Sorry. Um, He is a bummer of a person regardless. He's just kind of like. Yeah, I signed up for it, but now I don't want to sign up for it. And it's like, well, okay, but, like, you did, and, like, you're the one of the two people left that's protecting the rest of the world. And he's like, yeah, but I'm bored. He just seems like he's a boring person, because I feel yeah. like if you have more going for you, you could keep occupied forever. I feel like I'd be fine. I think I'd be, like, in the Fjordenbergen castle. Dude, if you know how to read, books. like... Yes! Like, have hobbies. You'd have all the time to finish all your fucking hobbies. You could watch everything on Netflix. And sure, you could watch everything, but the thing is, people are constantly creating more things. If, more stuff for you to look at. If this book were written for adults, this character, he would be in a heroin den. Yes. Instead, he's just, like, sacked out on the ground. Just, yeah. And he doesn't hang out with his guardian because he hates his guardian, who is a little kitty cat named Tux. 
I love I love Kitty. Um, <laughs> Tux was cool. Mark wasn't. And of course, the bad guys show up. Uh, and they're trying to save this jerk, and he's like uncooperative, <laughs> like, like, kill me, I'm over here. Hey, it's like you're endangering the little girl who's next to you, you jackass. Can you not? Yeah. Like, I can see being like, I give up on everything, or like. I'm just going to walk into the ocean. Bye, guys. You know, something like that, rather than, like, actively doing a thing that would get everybody hurt. So then they all have this very public fight on the beach. I don't know how people didn't get, like, cell phone footage of it. With with the gray assassin again. Don't forget about him. He is super important. I think he Uh. still did nothing. I think he just walked. (laughs) It it isn't until our third eternal that he does something. It's always like he walked on the scene. It's always Tarina with her friggin' thingies. Okay, here's Um, a weird thing about Tarina, though, because so she's she's like shooting from afar and stuff. For whatever reason, in my head, I'm like, oh, okay, so they had Tarina stay back and shoot from afar so that if they have to recast her, like, you can't see that it's a different actor. That's not how books work, but in my head, it's just like they were kind of like reducing her role and intentionally keeping her away for whatever reason. All right. Anyway, so that's that's him dead. So then um, they then they have to do, do a jaunt over to Texas for the third eternal. Oh, did I say, like, yeah, Mark died. Who cares? Yeah, Mark, Mark um, died. Uh, the only, the only like, redeeming part of uh, that chapter, really, is that, for whatever reason, Mark's, like, grumbling at Tux, and he says, what do you have to say for yourself? Yeah. Meow, the cat replied, pronouncing the word the way a human would. And that's, <laughs> that's like, the sassiest thing a cat could do. <laughs> I love it. That That's, like, a middle finger if they could do it, but it's just, like, a little paw. Okay, so they go to Texas. For the next one, who's like the polar opposite of Mark, she does not want to die, and she, she's like she takes her role super seriously, and yeah. I really, I really appreciated that about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they catch her at the grocery store. Her guardian's a little doggy. <laughs> Yep. I liked the little doggy, and um, she doesn't believe who they are at first because, like, how else do you know who I am and track me down here? You clearly want to kill me. And they're like, no, we're trying to protect you. And then she eventually believes them. I think it's like the unicorn made her believe it or something. I don't know. Who cares? But then she's like, okay, we can go. But first I need to go to – what did she need to get? She had to go to her storage shed to get her GPS or something dumb like that. It was, so, it was like, yeah, it was like stocking up on equipment or something. I was or like, or I, like, like fake documents. I don't remember. I, yeah, it was dumb. I was just like, no, no side trips. We're going to Warm Roost now. We don't have time to dick around. You, we'll buy stuff on the way if we need to, just whatever. But they go to this place, and I was expecting the bad guys to come pouring out the door when she opened it. So I was kind of disappointed when they didn't. But they do eventually, like, show up, like all the bad guys. And then uh, finally the gray assassin does something. So there's the battle. He finally walks close enough. <laughs> he walks close enough to like do something. But uh, they, before they um, showed up here, they were kind of nervous because Bracken has been in communication with the Sphinx with like the magic coin or whatever. Yeah. Cause they can't just have cell phones. <sighs> so they're, <laughs> He's got the magic coin, and the Sphinx is like, okay, I don't know who it is, but they're all jazzed up about their new assassin. Their new assassin is uh, Trask under a Narcoblix's control, and I think yes. it's the Narcoblix from the beginning. His name's Wayne, which is really lame. <laughs> oh my gosh, we haven't even talked about uh, we haven't talked about the Sphinx's wizard. 
We'll, oh, we'll get there. We'll, He's a we'll, thing. We'll do, we'll do it right. Well, we did. We said that he got caught in a bottle by the wizard. Yeah. His name's Marav. Yeah, this is the important bit because, like, Marav brought, like, a unicorn horn to, like, fight with. And then it turned out it was Bracken's. Bracken's, so Bracken's like, I recognize that. <laughs> <laughs> I recognize that horn. So <laughs> he takes it, and then it becomes his super weapon. So if you thought he was overpowered before... He's way overpowered now. He takes out the wizard. He takes out the gray assassin. First, he was like their cleric slash bard, and now he's also their tank. And it's like, okay, leave some room for the rest of the party. In TikTok parlance, that's enough slices. And then he ends up killing Torina indirectly because she's like, oh, my God, he's full of youth and vitality. I'm going to get some of that. She runs over and bites him, then explodes and I think Warren said, it's like, oh, it's like filling a water balloon with a fire hose. You're like, exactly like that. <laughs> she just like OD'd on his yeah. nectar. <laughs> okay. So thus ends the eternal quest and everybody's <laughs> really downtrodden. They're like, I guess we'll just hook up with Seth. Yep. Yeah. Meanwhile. <laughs> Meanwhile. Yeah. Seth is on the roof of the, when he nope. bamps out. Was there anything to... I'm trying to see if there's anything to say when he met up with Nagi Luna, because he does that um, before he leaves. Oh, yeah. He he does... Um, when he's imprisoned, uh, the Sphinx is like, hey, Nagi Luna wants to meet you. And she's, like, trying to get him, like, well, you should side with me, and we can overthrow the Sphinx. And he's just like, no. And she's and she uh, kind of sews the... I took notice of this. I'm like, ah, uh, that feels weird. When she's like, oh, you just stink of growlos and oh, he loved his humans. He'd do anything for his humans. And I'm like, ah, oh, really? I think you're laying it on thick. What What are you doing with this? <laughs> so, uh, was there anything else? I think that's kind of the important. That's the important bit. Uh, I did make note of another Seth thing that I liked when he's sitting in his cell. Yeah. Um, hello, cell. How are you? Still dank and horrible? Sorry to hear it. Me? I've decided to take up a new hobby. Talking to my room. It's a lot like talking to myself, but slightly more pathetic. Listen, well, there, were, there weren't as many, like, super, uh, like, uplifting beats in this. I gotta take them right. where, where I can find them. That's fair. Okay, yeah, sorry, everybody. It's gonna get real dark pretty quick here. But, um, he, um, bamps... Like it wasn't already. Yeah, he so he's on the roof, and he's like, what should my next move be? And he's like, well, I've got the sands, and I promised Growlass that I'd go heal. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I, I promised him I'd heal him, so I'm going to go do that. So he bamps directly to whatever, his shack? I don't know. It's pours the sand. It's okay. <laughs> I'm just, pours- I'm looking at the, I was literally staring at the picture right then. <laughs> So he pours the sand on him, and he gets up, and he's like, psych, bitch, and, like, takes off and, like, just shreds everything. He destroys the barn. He goes and he, like, just, what did he basically rip the house in half? Yeah, Growlithe just, like, walks up to the house and is like, you don't need this, and just takes the roof off. (laughs) And and then he's like, I'm gonna go meet up with Nagi Luna, because we're gonna go get, you know, take over the Sphinx, and haha, bye, loser. And then all of a sudden, he gets added to the, like, the chronology of villains that they have to yes. go through. The the bureaucracy of demons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Seth's like, 
oh my god, I'm so dumb. And I'm like, oh my god, you're so dumb. <laughs> and and Coulter is like, ah. Coulter's dying. But bless his heart, uh, he had the chronometer. Uh, it, he saw, like, the demon coming and was like, uh-oh. And he, like, went to Patton, like, I need some last-minute advice. And Patton's like, all right, I'm going to set some stuff up here. That's okay. He, then he pops back to the present. I guess his clothes... It didn't say he was naked or anything, but uh, he's in his clothes as as he's dying. And then um, he leaves the instructions for him to go to the old manor house and I don't know, go down to what, go down a chimney or something. And he has to say like show offs rule or something. And then <laughs> then that's all Coulter knows will happen. So Seth goes to do that. He meets up with um with Hugo. Hugo's like, house wrecked. He's like, yeah, demon bad. He's like, yeah, demon's bad. And, uh, but when they go to the house, like, Nero and a couple of goblins are already kind of ransacking it. And Seth's all like, no, don't wreck that house. Growlass is going to come back and claim it. And he's going to be pissed off if you, uh, whatever. And they all go running off. And that's just a cover story to kind of keep everybody from freaking out or like trying, like, I'm in charge now, you know? Yeah just to try and keep everybody in line and word spread fast. But uh, anyway, he follows the directions and ends up in this little room. It says like, hi, Seth or whatever. There's like a little bottle. It says open. I'm like, is he supposed to drink it? And I'm glad that I wasn't there because I would have drunk it and then like ended up with like gas bubble. <laughs> of- Patton, Patton is like trying to like claw his way out of your throat. Yeah. Well, chances are you're Mara and you tried to drink me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, it would have been a different potion because he would have been like, she's going to Alice in Wonderland this, isn't she? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Open it, but don't drink it, it says on the bottle. <laughs> so uh, a gaseous version of Patton that's uh, just a recording, really. He's not actually interacting with Seth. He tells him, first of all, that Coulter doesn't blame him for the death and no one blames him that they took advantage of Seth's good nature and everyone kind of said that to him consistently through that. And that's one of the things I liked about the book was no one was all like, you're an idiot. Cause they probably thought like he's punishing himself enough and it really wasn't his fault. Really. He was very heavily manipulated. He just yeah. never should have made that promise to begin with. In, yeah. In the first he's heavily place. manipulated and he is, he's acting from the virtues that, w- that are supposed to be like supported anyways. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So uh, then Patton gives him a whole laundry list of things he needs to do, places he needs to go, objects he needs to get, and people to see. People to see. It's a lot. We're not going to get into it right now. But then he says at the end, like, anytime you need this replayed, you can open it. I'm like, oh, good, because I wouldn't remember any of that. (laughs) (laughs) To hear this message again. Press one. (laughs) Plus, there was like a drawer with like more detailed instructions written down. So he's kind of like looking at it like all overwhelmed. And he goes, I need an adult. But he comes out and Newell and Doran, the stupid satyrs are there. And uh, then they go get Vanessa. But in order to get Vanessa out, because they put her in the quiet box before they left and they took out uh, Kendra's sting bulb and they uh, put the sting bulb back in. So then Vanessa could come out. And then the uh, first thing they need to do is they need to catch a leprechaun. Do you have anything to say about the leprechaun? <laughs> uh, dude, I'm going to be honest. Uh, like, the leprechaun thing was a little bit entertaining, but really just didn't need to be there. Like, in itself, yeah, it's an okay chapter, but it's probably the most unnecessary thing that they do, because the whole point of catching the 
Leprechaun is so they can get items More that they MacGuffins. use elsewhere. Yeah, it's like, why don't you just put those in the drawer? Uh, just put those in the drawer. You know? Yeah, um, the, so they catch the Leprechaun, make him go to his, his lair, and that's where they get a whistle, a bell, and a music box, and that's supposed to help them catch the boat that'll get them to Zizix. Okay, everyone following me here? No good. No um, good. Me neither. <laughs> oh, before we get too far away, I do want to say that we did we did get the logical conclusion to the bartering between uh, Seth and the Setters, which is oh, that yeah. to convince them to save the world and television, he has promised them a flat screen TV, a DVD player, a gas generator, and two hundred gallons of fuel. Yeah, and they're all <laughs> like, "Well, I'm in," <laughs> and. They didn't really contribute anything, really, but they did kind of boost morale for him when they were on the road. And I think Seth was kind of dealing with a lot of heavy emotions. So yeah. I think it helped having those idiots along for him. Right. I think it probably drove Vanessa absolutely insane. But um, anyway, they have Vanessa with so they get the stupid stuff from the leprechaun, the yada yada. But the important thing is they have Vanessa, who apparently has like millions of dollars in the bank. And she has like all of these... um identities and stuff so then they're able to travel easily because you know otherwise i was like how are you gonna get a child across the border of a country because the first place they need to go oh no not yet um the first place they're going is to the singing sisters like down in uh it's on the mississippi but whatever but uh they do eventually have to like leave the country and i was just like how are you gonna do that with someone else's child so thus begins begins the road trip they're like in a big old truck with Hugo in the back and everybody else looking just sees a big pile of dirt. Yeah. <laughs> and goats. They just see Newell and Doran just look like goats. I don't know why. I like that so much. But um, yeah, they get going on the road and they're eating a lot of fast food and stuff and show up at um. first. They, oh, Jesus, another character. They have to speak to the Sentinel first. So Seth can even get permission to even try and go see the singing singing sisters. And it's all so mysterious and scary. But then he goes into the trailer with the Sentinel, who's this oh, old man. I love this. This is yeah. this is such a this is the sort of like unexpected, but also totally Brandon Mole level. Like, this is what I want from a Fablehaven adventure. Yeah. They go in and the guy's just like, you want a Sammy? He's like, yeah, I want a Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like. Uh, what? And, uh, they just kind of, like, they just chat a bit about, like, yeah. he's just like, so it's gonna be rough, like, they're they're gonna ask things of you, uh, you'll have a chance for a counteroffer, but, you know, it's still dangerous, um, but yeah, you good? Alright, yeah. uh, just do me a favor, never tell anyone what you didn't hear to gain permission, <laughs> and Seth is like, I hardly did anything except eat a sandwich and explain my problem, he's like, exactly, I don't want word getting out or I'll have to change my approach. Right. He's like he's mastered he has mastered the the uh the like don't do any work but look like you're doing work. Yes. <laughs> and uh that's why Patton had been so vague about it. And that was why Seth was so worried about it cuz like Patton didn't really say anything about how I can convince the Sentinel. Yeah. Now I'm worried because he step by step for everything else and then he's really vague about this like for good reason. So then um the singing sisters are across the river, so the sentinel like huck fins them across the river, and um, I don't, I don't even remember what it was. I guess it doesn't matter. They, he ends up where the singing sisters are, 
it's all, there's a whole lot of trolls all around and he, Seth can understand their language. They're all like, how do you know the language? You know, the same thing that happens to them over and over. Yeah. But, uh, we meet the singing sisters and they're all like, they're conjoined. Aren't they all attached by like the wrists? Yeah. Yeah. Like no one actually has hands. Like a giant, like maggot or something. I didn't like that. This was all pretty gross. Um, but what works in his favor is one of the sisters is just real thirsty for Patton. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And he kind of, he kind of reminds her of Patton. So because of that, the negotiations don't go as sideways as they, I guess they usually do for people. And Seth, you know, hears them out here, you know, kind of gets an idea of what it is they want and what they like. So then his counter offer is if they show him where this particular sword is, Vasilis, is that what, how it's pronounced? I was going with Vasilis, but the, you know, like the Basilisk, I don't know. I'm going to go with my one. So (laughs) Vasilis. That's fair. (laughs) <laughs> neither of us is wrong until we're wrong so he he needs Patton told him to get this sword so um he asked them if they can tell him where Vasilis is then he will within a year get them that sword so then they can have it uh he will bring a wraith for them and then he will at at their discretion whatever they want he will use Vasilis to go get whatever object they want as well. So that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. And uh, one of the mean ones kind of is like, well, whatever. But the other two are like, it's good. Just let's just go with it. So they agree. And then he gets the directions to go get the sword. But anyway, back at Fable, Fable Haven, uh, before they left, uh, he had a the um, centaurs decided they were in charge of everything. They, they wanted the house. They're like, we want everything. And so um, Seth took some wraiths and uh, had them guarding the house and stuff. And that made the centaurs even madder. And they're like, I know we gave you a time in order to leave, but you need to leave sooner because you just pissed us off. And uh, then Vanessa narcoblixed them. We've left a lot out by not doing the leprechaun chapter. <laughs> yeah, but like how much does most of this really matter? It really doesn't. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of stuff with centaurs happened in whatever, but Seth was ordering wraiths around and stuff, so he actually has the ability to, like, follow up on his promise to bring them a wraith. Yeah, so, like, two, two-thirds two of his, his deal are, like, actually super easy for him. Yeah. Because he's like, I just gotta hand you the sword when I'm done, because I won't need it, and I'll give you a wraith, which I just innately can control. So, yeah, no, it's a pretty sweet deal. And then he gets out, and uh, uh, Newell had bet against him <laughs> that he wouldn't come out alive. That's about all I have to say. I Okay, I feel like... This is another one of those things where, like, the, the next part where he, like, goes to get Vas- v- Vasilis is not, like, the worst chapter I've ever read or anything. But it really it really should have been, he went to the Singing Sisters, and then he makes the deal, and then they give him the sword instead of having to do the extra step of going to yeah. this new place. And then each of these things didn't have to be their own discrete adventures. You could have smushed some things and, like, left room to just, I don't know, make it feel a little bit less, like, just connect the dots. (sighs) Yeah. Well, Seth goes to get the sword. Uh, uh, He had the uh, advice of, like, which totems in particular on the totem wall to talk to. So he talks to them. Yeah, it's like he's, he's, he's basically handed the password. Yeah. And it's like, well, okay, so why is this... This is no longer a trial. Why is this 
taking up space in our book. Yeah. Um, he goes in, uh, talks to the guy, and the guy's like, I'll give you the sword if you mercy kill me and kill all these zombies. And Seth's like, but you're nice, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he's, like he's like an undead wizard. He, he, he was one of the people who helped build Zizix with... He was the architect. Yeah. And then he just kind of, like, got too big for his britches and was just a shitty person. And then ends up kind of, confi- you know, in that in that wall. I don't remember why. I don't. It doesn't matter. Yeah. We we wasted so much time on this, but it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Like the whole trial. Once you get in there, is like you have to walk through a bunch of like uh, undead, and if you're scared, then they'll attack you. And then Seth is like, "Guess I won't be too scared then." And then he just walks through and gets the sword. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So he mercy kills the dude. And oh, wait. To even get in, he had to promised them something there's he was like hey you have a great evil in there i can vanquish that get rid of that and then i get to keep the sword and they're like groovy do it so that's all it is it's just like mercy killing that dude who wants to die and then chopping up those things and then he walks out and then the whole wall clapped (laughs) (laughs) it did yeah so he's got his sword and then he's like groovy now we gotta go catch the boat. Yeah. So he's in North Carolina, and then that's when the disheartened people go from Texas to North Carolina. Everybody goes there. They all so meet up. They all meet and... up again. To even get to Canada, or to get to this place, Seth and Vanessa flew ahead of time, and then, like, the sat- Satters drove with, um... Why do I keep on calling Rufus? With Hugo. <laughs> And that was when I started liking them again, because they they got pulled over by the cops a couple of times because they were speeding. So then the cops, I'm just picturing them just seeing two goats <laughs> sitting in the cab of a truck. Where they're like, Where's the right? <laughs> it's just like the officer walking away, scratching his head, like what? Well, the no, <laughs> um, they had some of Vanessa's uh, blow darts, so they not like, knocked yeah, them out. Which is even greater, because then, like, you know, they'd be like, officer, like, why aren't you responding? So when someone would come to investigate, he's like, there's a truck of goats. So, like, dude, go home. <laughs> so that's when I, like, swung back around to liking them again. And, of course, it wasn't, like, experiencing them in the moment. It was just hearing about something stupid they were doing where I was just yeah. like, ah, that's great. Let's not do any more with them. <laughs> so then they get on the ghost boat, and there's, like... There's, like, a little girl ghost captain or I whatever. love that part so much. You think it's going to be more of a thing, but it's, like, Seth's sick of it, too. Yeah. So, he's like, so she's all like, no, I'm not going to let you. I don't like you guys. And so then he, like, draws his sword, and he's all like, bitches, say what? And she's like, what? And then that's it. <laughs> and he's like, I want to talk to you again. She's like, good, I want to talk to you either. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they, oh, do we even, but that's what, the Cormac stuff was about. Like, yeah, it was just about time. summoning the, but like, again, it doesn't really matter. They just have to, they just have to do more things in order to do the thing they're trying to do. Why did there need to be? There are just so he many rings, steps. He rings the bell and then he has to blow the whistle. I'm like, couldn't it just been one or the other? But then it's like, oh, the, the lighthouse was relocated or something. So we have to try it at two different spots just to be safe or whatever. That and... felt overly complicated. I'm like, why is that in here? Like, who? Who cares? Yeah. And then, like, there's that random ghost on the beach is like, it's a bad boat. And they're like, oh, we don't really have any other options, sir. So I was like, why was that in this? So <laughs> and and then the music box was to make the ghost come out. I don't know. <sighs> Whatever. It, it, it really doesn't. But I've 
damn it, I spent the time talking about them getting the stupid stuff. I'm going to discuss it. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just, for every Singing Sisters Sentinel or actually really good trial that they have during this section, there's two or three just really throwaway yeah. really disappointing ones. And it's yeah. just the ratio is way off. Right. Okay. So anyway, they make it. And um, when they land on the, on, on the, it's called Shoreless Isle. So shouldn't have been, meant there was no beach. Who cares? Okay. So they, they land on the shore at Shoreless Isle. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> That's not what words mean. But, um, Kendra and uh, Bracken go over to the um, the fairy shrine that's there to check in with the fairy queen. And she's like, okay, I'm sending you some stuff. So she sends in all the Astrids and Kendra kisses all of them and they turn into like big old like warrior, winged warrior fairy dudes. It's cool. And one of them bows to Bracken and goes, my liege. And... She's like, my liege, what does that mean? And it turns out he's actually a fairy prince. <sighs> yeah. Like, I, like he, I figured he, 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 that out, even like, more spe- Me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when he's all like, who's your fairy princess? And I was like, oh, because he's a fairy prince? Yeah. That's why I, I figured it out. There was something yeah. about, like, the demon king ended my father or something. I was like, oh, I know about that happening. And then it's like, wait a second, but you're a unicorn. He's like, yeah, my mom's a unicorn, too. That's how it works. <laughs> but I guess yeah. it's like a secret or something. I don't it's know. a secret that apparently everyone knows about because they're like, tell her about you. And he's like, no, shut up, asshole. You know, like every time. <laughs> well, particularly with Maddox, because Maddox like, tell him. Oh, it makes sense that Maddox knew because yeah. he's a fairy trader. OK, yeah. he's like, tell him, tell her, tell her what you are. And he's like, shut up. Anyway, so she sends through the Astrid's and then like some full grown fairies or like bigness fairies like fairies that are people-sized come out of the thing too and uh they build up hugo so he's even bigger and like thornier and like yeah yeah super hugo and they're all like i i think uh hugo's gonna be the last one standing and he's like not last save kendra save seth and i cried yes that was that was very good (laughs) yes yes, yes. um hugo hugo is just very good i know he's your favorite and Raxtus is supposed to be bringing a bunch of, and, and is supposed to be showing up with Egad, who's the guy in charge of Worm Roost, along with all these dragons. So that's going to happen at some point. They don't know when, but at some point. So uh, the prison opens, and the first few straggle, you know, first people kind of, people, the first demons kind of straggle out. And we're standing there, and they're like, oh, that's so-and-so. They have these powers. That's And I was like, are we really going to do this for every one of these guys who comes out? And, Can't oh, my just, God, I, for a bit, yes, we do. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, my God, where was the editor? So we do that for a bit, and I'm like, no. And uh, the battle kind of starts a little bit in c- certain sections. And, but Bracken's like, okay, I have a plan, but first we need all of the... Um, the objects you know all our MacGuffins. yeah and uh the uh sphinx comes out and he's got a few of them but uh, they doesn't have the oculus because nagi luna's got it in her little fist oh wait doesn't she have the translocator too sure she's got a couple of them nagi luna has them we need to we need to get them and uh bracket's like okay i'm putting together a team we're gonna you're gonna go in there and you're gonna get them and seth's like i want in on that team and kendra's like no but Okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> so they bamf into the demon prison, 
and Seth sees Growlass, and then they fight, but he pulls out, he doesn't, uh, Growlass doesn't realize just, like, how in tune with the sword Seth is, like, they're, like, besties, so the sword and him, like, really work well together, and they slash and... Growlass is killed, but while Growlass is killed really quickly. Like I, yeah. I understand that like it's like it really is connecting with Seth, but he literally just is like by healing me, you essentially open Zizix. Yeah, well, I'm here to unheal you, and the next paragraph, Growlass is dying pretty much. Well, then uh, Seth, like... Seth is dying because he gets bitten and scratched by Growlass before the death happens. Yeah. So he's kind of like he's just kind of uh he's kind of standing there like oh jeez. But he sees Nagi Luna running away with the shit. And he's like, we need that stuff. So he, like, flings the sword and it, like, goes through her back and then she's taken out. So he's, like, what, the space of a couple paragraphs? He's taken down two important demons? He, he, kill, he kills half of the bureaucracy uh, uh, over the course of two pages, yeah. Right. But he doesn't have the sword in his hand anymore. And the sword kind of, like, bolsters your strength and stuff. It doesn't heal you, but it does keep you from feeling as crappy. So he kind of collapses... And one of the Astrid's grabs him. They're like, "Okay, we need to get you outside. You need to get healed by a unicorn." But we've got the we've got the MacGuffins. We're good. It's like, "Okay, cool." So that part of Bracken's plan is fine, and they're they're all fighting, la la la. And uh, Kendra is kind of just standing around by the shrine, like, "What do I do now?" And fairy things and th- things of the light just kind of keep spewing out of the the shrine. And um, some of them, like, go join the fight, but, like, a lot of them, like, run. It's like, why are you here then, useless? But it gets explained later. But it, but the fairy queen, like, comes out, and she's like, all right, I'm going I'm to kick some ass. And she goes off to kick ass. And then uh, Seth is kind of, like, laying there, like, uh, with Kendra. And uh, one of the rando unicorns, it said the nameless unicorn when it spoke. And I'm like, good, we don't need another name. <laughs> <laughs> But this nameless unicorn heals them, and he's like, okay, uh, you're fine for a bit, but there's a lot of damage that's still done to you. You need the sanctity of sands or sands of sanctity to heal you. And, uh, yeah, so you need that. And he's like, cool, cool story. So they're watching the uh, Demon King come out. He's like this big old gross thing, and he's got, like, was it like bodies wrapped in chains? Yeah. He's just dragging behind him like randomly. And uh, so the fairy queen and Bracken are both fighting him and it's kind of not going well. Like Bracken gets slashed pretty significantly. And Kendra's like, no, my boyfriend. He's <laughs> like, Seth, can I use your sword? And he's just like, I guess it might not work for you, though. It like super works. It reminded me of in Super Mario when you get the star and like when you get that, that's basically what happens. She like Mario stars like over and like it makes her jump clear up in the air and she like takes down the king. But like while that's happening, like the fairy queen's kind of sawing at like a chain where like a body is, and you're like, okay, what's she doing? But you find out in a bit anyway. Um. So she kills that thing, and then the dragons show up kind of as reinforcements. Like, like that's when Raxtus and, like, his, like, big badass dad and Agad and everybody just kind of, like, comes cruising in. Kind of like in Helm's Deep when Gandalf showed up with Rohirrim. Uh-huh. <laughs> they come down the hill. <laughs> that's, uh, that was cool. So some of the demons see that, like, the shrine, they, they, they've broken through the line guarding the shrine, and they all start running into the shrine, which uh, would take them to, like, the fairy realm. 
And Kendra's like, wait, is that a bad thing? And they're like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Let them do it. Because the idea is for all of them to, like, run in there and, like, wreck shit. And, like, yeah, we're really doing something. But then they seal it off. And it's like, ha, that's the new demon prison. Sucks to suck, losers. So that's basically it. Kind of how the battle ends with all of them, like, right. doing that. It's... <sighs> I don't like it. Well, I liked that a little bit. I don't know. Um... Well, so here's why I don't like it. Is that... Yes, Seth and Kendra get their moments of glory, which is cool. Like Seth is like, "Watch me cut this guy." Oh in half wait, and then throw okay. It. I I I liked how the the whole plan was to like get all the everybody out of the realm, yeah. so then all the demons could go in. That's I liked a, that. That is a good plan. Okay, okay, all but right. As as a whole, because at this point, it's basically it's going to switch over to basically like Denouement, like yeah, 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 final stuff. I don't like this ending because. None of the other players are here. Almost everybody, like, the majority of the, like, the people doing the work here were introduced in this book. Yeah, this was Bracken's book. This was, it was, it was, it was Bracken. Uh, it was the revived Astrids who get names that I did not bother to try and remember at all. Nope. Is it, Tanu is gone. Uh, Warren's not there. Mentioned. Warren and Vanessa are mentioned. Yeah, like they're fighting. like, they're technically there, but they're not really like in the middle of anything. No. Um, you know, all of the grandparents are like gone and everything. And so it really, it, I didn't get any, it, yeah, it just, it wasn't, it didn't really feel like much. And I was just like, oh, look, they did it. Okay. I guess. Shouldn't, shouldn't like, the end of the world have had higher stakes? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, like, I I never got, uh, I never got the sense that there was any danger. Like, you get to the end of this, this is the battle for the end of the world, and what are the final casualties? It's like uh, six like Astrids. Six Astrids. No, it was six fairies and, like, two Astrids. Something like that. Yeah, and, then, and I'm and not then, saying but, it needs to be a bloodbath, because this is a kid's no. book. But yes, yes. I never felt like there were stakes involved. No. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, what if the Sphinx had died a hero? Right. Yeah. You know? It's like, does that totally redeem him? No. But y you would actually feel that somebody that you've gotten to know for more than a book is, like, experiencing something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like, as soon as somebody gets injured, it's like, okay, just take them off to wherever the unicorns are, and they'll be fine. Yeah. And we got the sands, so just dump the sands on them. Yeah. Like, there the we go. The sands are endless, so... Right. Yeah, because uh, Seth and Bracken get healed up pretty quick after their near-mortal wounding. So uh, I just... I didn't... I was really ultimately disappointed by the final battle. I thought that the... I thought that the plot with the fairy queen, like, relinquishing her realm uh, to become the new yeah. uh, prison, I thought that, that was a good idea, but it I was. thought a lot of the stuff surrounding it was just kind of... I don't know. I think written battles are just kind of rough anyway. Like, if you right. were watching this as a, as a movie, you'd probably have a better time. But reading a battle scene is, it's kind of rougher. There's no good way to go about it, I think. I don't know. I, like, I, I agree with you in some cases, but I think that when you are, when you're doing more of like a magic battle thing, I think there's more opportunity for it to be engaging. You know, like, reading the Battle of Hogwarts or reading the end of, like, I, I mentioned earlier, um, the end of the first Percy Jackson art is a phenomenal ending. I remember reading it and being like, 
this is everything I would want out of a series finale. It has it has stakes that matter. It has it has sacrifices being made for the greater good. You know, it has heroes getting their moments to shine. It has redemption. It had all of those things. And there are characters here that could experience all of those things. And it'd be really easy to set it up, all things considered. But by choosing to sideline most of the established cast in order to start building this new one that includes the most overpowered character <laughs> I've ever read. Yeah, he's, just, he's insane. <laughs> It just like it just took so much away from it, and the yeah. fact that it was it was built off of two hundred something pages of go here, get the thing, go to the yeah. next thing. Like that was just really, really wore me down. So there wasn't really like I I didn't feel like there was a build up because it was like it was like fetch quest, fetch quest, fetch quest, fetch yeah. quest, fetch quest, final main quest, and it's like that's not that's not how a story is usually structured. <laughs> This isn't a video game. <laughs> it's not yet. Yeah, well, it's if it was a video game, this would be one of those games where you know that there's not going to be like you can't do anything with the side stuff after you finish the main story. So you like power through the main story and then stop and then do a bunch of side stuff and then end up leveling your character up to the point that when you finally do the last quest, it doesn't feel like anything. That's exactly what this is. <laughs> I have played this before. <laughs> it's a solid three stars on Steam. Okay, so um, all right, let's let's wrap this up. So, this the chapter ends with just Agad being like, "Yep, I'll fix that. Yep, I'll fix that." And yeah, like, was just, what are you doing? Okay. <laughs> He's like, "What am I doing? A lot, apparently. I'm not sleeping anytime fucking soon. That's for sure." Yeah, he's gonna fix Mandango. Because <laughs> he, uh, he's I was like, pleased to hear about that. Yes, I liked that too. Um, and then he's also going to have more personality when these rebuilt. So, uh, he'll ha he'll be kind of like a Hugo part two. I don't know. Tugo. Um, Tugo. <laughs> Mandango, Tugo. Um, <laughs> and he's also, oh God, there were so many things that he was going to do. I, maybe I should look at my notes. It's, it's, I mean, it's a bunch of stuff I, about like, uh, basically he's gonna rebuild re the fable haven yeah. house yeah he's, he's basically trying to restore the status quo but also like learn from their mistakes the first time it's the long and the short of it he says he's gonna uh reseal he's the one who's gonna reseal the um fairy realm portal yeah uh so it becomes a new prison and he's gonna fix up fable haven he's gonna save everybody from living mirage and he's gonna restore mandango <sighs> and um He's not going to be, he's stepping down as being in charge of Wormroost and, um, Raxtus's dad's, uh, Celebrant is going to be the new keeper, which all the dragons are going to like because they've kind of been rooting for a while to have like a dragon in charge of things. So that'll knock some chips off his shoulders by doing that. Sorry. Go ahead and finish what you're going to say about this part, but I just had a thought of how. I was kind of it, but I was just going to okay. move on to, I was going to be, move on to the wrapping it up, but if you needed to say something, now's your chance. I, I have a thought of how I think that the post battle chapters should have gone. I think that it should have been, it should have skipped ahead maybe six weeks and it should have been showcasing our surviving heroes, which in this case is all of them each utilizing the skills that they have showcased or learned across the series to start the rebuilding process. So you have stuff like you have you have Hugo helping like hold up 
uh, like pillars for rebuilding the house. Uh, you have Kendra working with the fairy, the fairy queen, and the unicorns, and discussing like what the what what's going to be happening with like the new shrines and things like that. You have Raxus acting as like a go between between the dragons uh, covering uh, like like taking over Wormroost and and uh, you know the other factions and stuff. You you show the heroes actually doing things because this chapter is the epitome of telling instead of showing. It's just Agad listing out the things that need to happen and saying he's going to do them off screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. After that scene, I I wrote my notes, that's a lot to dump all at once, but pretty par for the course for this book. (laughs) Okay, so then post-battle, like a few, a couple weeks later, everybody gathers at Living Mirage, and uh, Agad has a big dinner, and the Sorensen kids get to meet up with their parents and the parents just like cry buckets over Kendra. Cause remember they thought she was dead. Yeah. So they get to see her and then Seth gets to see the Larson grandparents. Just like, Holy, okay. You guys aren't dead. This is weird. And, um, yeah, they all sit down to eat and then they uh, have to decide. Newell flirts with uh, their mom. Yeah. You know, Kendra's you mom is going up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Newell's into MILFs. Anyway, so the whole point of this dinner is, besides to, like, reunite and be all like, hey, we survived, there were no stakes, yay. They need to discuss what they're going to do with the Sphinx, and against mine and Vanessa's better judgment, he gets to become an Eternal. They're like, that's going to be punishment enough, and I'm like, is it, though? <laughs> and why do you, why do you want to keep this guy around who's shown that he's so willing to, like, screw everybody over? For like, how do we know he's not gonna find a way to transfer that it, like eternal thing to somebody else, and then set about like, nope, I'm in charge of the prison again. If he wants to be in it so bad, I think they should just open it and throw him into the prison. Like there, tell everyone you're in charge. See how that goes. You know, that's how I would have ended it. But they're all like, no, we're the better people. He's gonna have to learn. He's gonna be the eternal, and that's gonna be his punishment. And it's just so weak, and I hate it. Yeah. And then we close out with um, Kendra's family has moved into Fablehaven. So they just they get to live there all the time. And the Larson grandparents like spruced up the old manor and they're living there. And la la la. And oh, Raxus is coming to visit. Isn't that exciting? And Raxus shows up and she's like, oh, hey. And he's like, I got a surprise for you. And she's like, cool. What is it? And he's like, hey, that Astrid who guarded you is here. And she's like, oh. And he's like, no, psych, it's Bracken. Who did you think it was going to be? So she goes and meets up with Bracken. And he's like, hey, I'm an old creep, but I will just creep from a distance till you're 18. <laughs> I had so many nopes about that. Thank Hi. you. <laughs> I am a centuries old magical horse. You are a, a human minor. Yeah. We can't bang yet. I will wait until it's legal. And yep. she goes, Cool. Yeah. <laughs> no! 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 No, 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 no. No, I hated this. Especially since we established in the previous book, like, Verl was being a creep, and we're, and it was said in text, he's creepy. And she's, like, even saying, like, you know I'm, like, 15, right, to him. It's the, it's the, um... What, is just because he's pretty? It literally is. Pretty? That, it, it's not creepy if they're attractive sort of a thing. Yeah. It's like, how about we don't instill that message? 
Yeah, and even like, well, they're not doing anything. They're waiting until she's grown up. You still don't see how that's in- yeah. inherently gross. That's like, yeah, that's like, ooh, <sighs> I'm scoping her out. Like, I still want to bang her, but I can't yet because it's weird. Like, you're too young for this, probably. But when I was like in my early 20s, late teens, I remember sites were popular that had countdowns to when the Olsen twins were legal. And ooh, when, fa- yeah, ooh. yeah, oh, that's no. that's what this reminds me of. I've never seen a countdown like that, but I do remember, uh, I think the internet celebrated, like, when Chloe Moretz turned 18, and I'm like, I don't like the implications of the celebration. You know they're gonna do that for Millie Bobby Brown, right? No. I don't even know how old she is. She's like 16, shouldn't she be? Like, or close to it? I don't know. She's not 18 yet. I'm normal. I don't care how old she is. (laughs) Well, I'm just using the power of mathematics, because I'm like, okay, but you're did she start i know <laughs> but i don't i don't think she's legal yet <sighs> well that that's the whole book that's the basically. whole book and that again that's what he intended to leave it on okay he that's so stupid because seth still has those two things that he seth, got from the seth giant still has yeah he has the little statues and he was mad that he, he even suggested he's them. like can i get can i make a house for hugo and he's like, it's good to have that in your back pocket for another time, wink. Yep. And yeah. then there's the implication that he has to go on the quest for the Singing Sisters. Yeah, there's, like, there's there's stuff. There is stuff. This, I wanted I wanted this to be so much better than it was. Yep. I, and I, I it was, like, there was a, a period in the book where I, I think it was around the time they finished that first thing of getting the last artifact where I was just like, okay, that was a... That was a little weird and rushed and kind of rocky, but now is our chance to get into back into Fablehaven mode. And then somewhere around halfway through the book, I was like, we're not getting there, are we? No. And so that was definitely a bummer. And like I said, in the grand scheme of young adult fiction, it's not atrocious, but as a... It's as, a good it's a good uh, fantasy YA book. It's not it a is, good Fablehaven it's book. It's a bad Fablehaven book. Yeah. So what do you rank it? I think a three. Yeah. If we're isolating it to Fablehaven, it'd be like a two, but it if we're talking broader, it hits a three. But I was never bored, so I think I told you where my threshold for two is, and that I'd have to be bored at some point. Where I kinda was at the beginning though, like bored and angry. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know, it just it picked up for me. It, but it never quite reached a four. I mean I kinda want a unicorn boyfriend, so I mean it has that for it, but he just sounds like such a made-up, like, it's all made-up, but he feels in particular made-up. He's a handsome unicorn fairy prince, and he's got all the powers. This is the he... boyfriend you would have invented for yourself at age six? Yeah, and he'd never pressure me for sex, you know? <laughs> he He'll just saying, watch me from afar until I'm old enough. He kept saying, like, we are like virtuous maidens, and I'm like, gross! <laughs> um, okay, yeah, so... That was... That was Fablehaven. That was Fablehaven, keys to the demon prison. Do you remember how optimistic we were? I was like, he won't screw the pooch in the last book, will he? Well, and yeah. I, I, I think he, we're st- we're still in the range of what I anticipated, where I was like, I could see it getting down to a three, but I don't think he's going to, like, one-star tank the series. You know what this was? This book was Simone Biles doing the flip and then, like, barely landing it and kind of pinwheeling it. Ah! And then shortly after, she dropped out of the Olympics. You know, this is what this book was. It's like someone who's really, really good, who just is off their game right now. Yeah. Yeah. 
This is the, the Simone Biles. <laughs> well, there we go. Yeah. So for next month, uh, we are going to be doing a sort of follow-up to last year's Halloween episode. But instead of doing top 10 spooks, we're doing top 10 spoops, which is the stuff that was uh, more like more like a fun scary as opposed to like we actually were kind of traumatized by this as children. <laughs> yes. Hello, fellow kids is hosted by Mara and Josh, produced by Josh. Music provided by Ben Ash. Visit him at benash.com. If you want to contact us, you can email us at hfkpodcast at gmail.com or visit us on Twitter or Instagram at hfkpodcast. Please. 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 <laughs> uh, what somebody pleasing? say something to us. <laughs> uh, we will be back in October uh, with some spoops, and then we will resume actual novels in November. Yeah, um, our November book is going to be Redwall, I think. It is. Red, red which, wall. Which I need to say again, and just in case it sucks, I'm not picking it because I think it's good. I don't remember how much of it I read, and I don't remember my opinion of it. I think you suggested it because you said you just remember they ate feasts a lot, and then that's what yeah, happened. that's why I was like, Thanksgiving, food. <laughs> like, all right, let's do the mice. Ooh, it's our, it's our first return to mice since our very first episode. Oh my gosh, yeah. Okay, that'll be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how they've changed. Let's see how they've changed. <laughs> Aren't these medieval mice? It always looked vaguely medieval. I don't know, man. We have to read it. Okay, guess so. All right. Peace out. Bye. <laughs>